Welcome back to Basic Brain Heart, the show where we celebrate and interrogate creatives of all stripes. I'm. You may hear one of my children in the background practicing their keyboard, and uh, I thought about asking them to stop, but it seems very apropos for today's episode, which is uh, an interview with musician and uh, writer, musically, um, Sam Tenez. And Sam has worked on so many different projects You know, every guest we have on the show is so unique with their own story and and their own approach to conversation. And I think the thing I really, really appreciated specifically about Sam was that he just seems to overflow with wisdom. And that's a pretty rare thing. And even though I'm really focused on trying to develop myself as a visual artist, um, and Sam is a musician, there are always things that cross really the, the disciplines and apply to everyone and I just got so much great substance out of this conversation and Sam was just so gracious um, and he's experiencing a really a, an exciting time in his career and so we dove right into that. I won't <laughs> won't share any spoilers there. If you'd like to look up Sam's work while you listen to the interview, which I highly recommend, you can find Sam really on most of the social medias under Sam and his last name is spelled T-I-N-N-E-S-Z. And if you don't feel like searching, feel free to look in the show notes, and I've got links to Sam's uh, socials there. You can find his music anywhere you stream your favorite tunes, so be sure to check out his work. It's really stunning, extremely deep, which I really, really appreciate, lyrics that have depth to them, and I know you will too. All right, I'm going to let Sam share his story. Sometimes I give a preview, but sometimes I think people just do such a good job that I don't want to spoil it for you. So I'm going to get out of the way and let Sam do the talking. But if you are getting anything out of the show, out of Basic Brain Heart, please don't hesitate to leave us a rating and or review on the App Store. Or find me on Instagram at Hannah underscore Camacho or on Twitter at Basic Brain Heart. I look forward to checking in with you and seeing what you're learning alongside me as we really work to demystify the creative process and become better creators. A oh, one quick note before we get started. Um, unfortunately, there were some audio issues that I couldn't hear as we were recording. And so, of course, in post, they popped up. I sincerely apologize. Thank you, Sam, for your patience and your kindness in letting us still air the interview. Um, so please do um, bear with it. Trust me, uh, Sam's words of encouragement and wisdom are well worth it. Um, but just just a quick heads up. All right, I'm going to get out of the way now so you can enjoy this interview with fantastic musician, Sam Tenez. Well, Sam, I am really excited that you have taken some time out of your day to chat with me. You're kind of at a really interesting point in your career. And so I cannot wait to hear your backstory and jump into what's going on these days and even into kind of your whole philosophy of songwriting and and storytelling. So thank you for taking some time to chat. Yeah, no problem. What are you up to these days? What are you focused on these days before we learn a little bit about your background? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, uh, my my nature is like I always like to change and evolve. And so, you know, I, I, right when I feel like I've got a grip on something, my head is on the next step to something else. So, you know, of course, right now, um, you know, I'm, I'm heavily writing a lot of music for licensing, but also just... Um, for my artist, for my new album. Um, but while I'm doing that, I'm I'm kind of, you know, this year I had my first uh, top 40 pop single with another artist. 
And um, so I've been writing a lot more of that. And, you know, I just like challenges. So, you know, when I start to feel like I've got a handle on something, I'm like, oh, let's try something that I have no idea what I'm doing with, you know? Yeah, so Absolutely. And ta- let's talk a little bit about that. But let's pause there before we go into your backstory. What was yeah. it like having your first top 40 pop single? Like what, what has that journey been like for you so far? Man, it's been it's been interesting. I mean, especially being from Nashville, you know, most people here are like, you know, you know, there's no pop in Nashville. And could the truth, there's a lot of really great budding artists. I mean, you know, Prescription, Dr. Luke's thing moved here and a bunch of other companies, you know, have put people here. And I think it's, you know, I think slowly but surely, like, you know, Atlantic Records is here now with a pop presence and, um, you know, I just have a lot of really great friends who are doing music that if it got to radio could really, you know, could really kill. But, you know, there are the, the few, the proud that actually make it to radio. And my friend, um, Andreas Moss, his stuff actually made it to radio um, this year. Uh, and, um, you know, it was just kind of like I, I heard his a single like a you know Spotify single on a, on a playlist through a friend. And I was like, okay, he's in Nashville, I need to get with this guy. And so I reached out through Instagram and just kind of hit him up. And, you know, we started talking and um, we wrote and just our first song ended up being the single that ended up on radio. That is amazing. And I think that a lot of us like I'm not a musician. So I think a lot of us don't even realize what it takes to get on the radio. For those who aren't in the music business, can you walk us through how do songs even get chosen to be on the airwaves? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a it is a little weird, like intangible thing. You know, there is just something special about certain songs that are just like earworms and they just, you know, they they get somebody or they move somebody emotionally or, you know, it's something that nobody's ever heard before. And, you know, if it's one of those things, you know, my, my old A&R guy used to say, like, I want people to either love it or I want them to hate it. Like if you're if you have a whole bunch of people in the middle, it really doesn't help at all, like because they're not. They're not moved to buy it and they're not moved to hate it and post about it. Either way, if somebody's posting about it, even if they hate it, it's a good thing. They so, feel something, yeah. Yeah, they feel something. <laughs> they feel really strongly about it. So, you know, for this, we just had a lot of feedback from Spotify and all sorts of people on the song. They just really, really dug it. And, um, yeah, and it had a you know decent run for a first single for him. And um, so that was really fun just to watch that unfold. And, I mean, you know, the amount of money and effort. And he did radio tour after radio tour going the country meeting with DJs and playing the song live for them. I mean, the amount of work that's on the artist is just pretty crazy. So that's so cool. Well, congrats. That's really an exciting. Yeah. It sounds like you're at a really exciting part of your journey. So let's yeah. go ahead and rewind the clock a little bit. Did you okay. grow up in Nashville? What, tell me about your life growing up and kind of when you started to realize that creativity and music was was your passion. Yeah, you know, I um I was kind of an Air Force brat. So like my dad was in the Air Force and so we moved around a lot. I was born in North Dakota and we moved to California for a while and then moved to Florida and Georgia and just all over. So every, you know, every 4 years we were switching it up and so I had to make new friends every time, every time trying to make new friends and I think eventually I learned that like, you know, Oh, people really like music, and I and if I do music, I'll make more friends. You know, it was one of those yeah. kind of like music <laughs> became like a, okay, what do I have to offer? Well, I can sing and I can play music. Like maybe this will help me with girls. Maybe this will help me with friends. And it's just funny how being a teenager—that's really what you're thinking about. So I mean, that was my first motivation was just you know trying to get more friends. And I entered this 
this talent show contest in eighth grade and and ended up winning that and I was such a nerd before then and then after that after I won it was like everybody was my friend and a light a light bulb went on of like ding 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 this is your ticket you know and and in some ways I mean I love interacting with people so in some ways you know doing music is kind of just an excuse to get to interact with new people all the time so that's amazing so did you um decide to uh go into university and and pursue music professionally what was your path sort of once it came time to choose a career i did a lot of shows in high school i was kind of the annoying kid always handing out flyers to shows and you know some of the places i would play they'd be like well we can't even go here it's 18 and over i'm like (laughs) oh yeah you're right it was kind of that for me in atlanta like i kind of came up in atlanta so it was either the hip-hop scene or the rock scene and for me, I had more of the rock thing going on. So, um, you know, we just played a bunch of clubs there. And, you know, I mean, I was just kind of like trying to do as much as I could as a high schooler, even just trying to play shows. And really, you know, it's that whole 10,000 hours thing. I think that's where I really cutting my teeth trying to get those hours. And I didn't realize that's what I was doing. But that's what was happening, you know, writing all the time with my my band guys and playing shows as much as we could. And, just getting used to being on stage. And and then when I went to college, you know, I left my band and um, I had, I I had gotten an offer from Interscope to either do a record deal, um, you know, or the other option was I'd go to college. And the record deal thing seemed so elusive at the time when we were, you know, when I was talking with them about it and I just knew there was like, okay, they're interested, but how interested are they? Like, are they gonna, like, what's gonna happen with all this? And I think I just decided like, you know what, college for me in this moment is probably a better move and and it really was like moving to Nashville and and um I went to Belmont and I think kind of going that direction was great because that's where I met you know this other band that I that I was just a guitar player in and I wasn't the singer anymore like I was when I was in the high school band and it was kind of like oh I like this I just can be in the background I can just kind of like play some guitar and write some songs and not have to deal with all the rest of this stuff and um and we got signed to a record label in town called Curb Records. Hmm. That's rad. Did you find that even early on as you're sort of diving into the music scene and, and you know, getting your ten thousand hours in, did you find your musical voice pretty easily or has it really evolved over time for you? It's evolved in a big way. I mean, I, I think a lot of the beginnings for me was a lot of mimicking. You know, I mean you just don't know how to do it. You know, you just you hear your you hear your influences and then, you know, you kind of make stuff that falls short of it. And then that's your sound, you know? And I think for me, that was a lot of what I was doing was like, I really, you know, at the time, the things that were really popular were like Incubus and like Hoobastank and like, you know what I mean? Like all these, all these hilarious things. So here I was with this like baritone kind of like middle, middle of the road, you know, like um, range wise voice trying to sing these super high, you know, crazy, it just wasn't working for me. And it was just funny, like trying to fit myself into that. And, um, you know, I mean, I think my, I think my sound definitely, you know, somewhere along the road, like I, you know, my sound definitely evolved and I kind of found where my voice sits in a nice place. And I think, you know, honestly though, if I'm really honest, I think probably took until my thirties to really find my actual sound and my voice, which is wild. I mean, I was thinking probably back in high school, like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to get famous, we're going to, we're going to tour the world and everybody's going to hear my music. And that wasn't the case. I mean, I had to go through some maturing and some, through some kind of refining and, 
you know, I'm, I'm glad I did. Cause I think now when, when some things are happening, I can kind of handle it better and, and not act like a jerk, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the hope, right? <laughs> yeah, I definitely. love it. Um, so when you, you know, when you're first starting out, uh, honing your craft really just looks like practice, 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 eating, sleeping, breathing music. Now that you've been in the industry for a while and you feel like you've sort of gotten into a bit of a groove, what does honing your craft look like today versus, you know, when you're first getting started? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for me, you know, I always think with a creative job, you can either be lazy with it, you know, and kind of do it every once in a while and hope that something happens. Or, you know, you can, I always say like, if you want to make nine to five money, you probably should work nine to five, you know, like, don't, don't like just sitting around on your laurels, like, you know, thinking that everything's going to happen for you. So, I mean, I, I try and write almost every day. And if I'm not writing, I'm sitting around, you know, kind of farming for ideas. Um, and, you know, for me, it's, it's always working, you know, during the week on the weekends, I take my breaks, you know, cause I, I do believe in rest and I think rest is important for the creative and creating spaces where you have, you know, some time off is really important because, you know, the businessman in me just wants me to keep going, keep going, keep going. The creative is screaming, oh my gosh, please stop. I need a break. I have no more ideas, you know? And, and so I think it's always a balance for me to, to, you know, honing my craft. I'm like, there's some times where I'm like, when I'm done with my rights, where I just, I just need to sit and just kind of chill and do nothing. And so, you know, I write enough to where like, I can tell when I get in a room with somebody, if they write often or not, it's like a muscle, you know, it's like, it's like you're, you know, you may not get something every day, but if you're priming the pump, eventually water is going to come out. And so for me, some days when I don't get anything, I just consider it like a day that I'm priming the pump, like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get water, you know? And, um, I just think, you know, it's, it's something you have to do often. Like when I get people asking me like, what's, what's your advice for me? I want to do music and blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, do it a lot. Like write, write more. Okay. How many songs have you written? Double it. You know, like do, do more, do more, you know, because it's like, I can't even think about how many songs I've written. And that's, and I mean, like I said, I'm only now at 30, you know, feeling like I like my songs, feeling like, you know what I'm doing, but it, it took me since I was in high school, you know, to get to this point. <laughs> That's really encouraging to hear because I think there's sometimes, even amongst creatives, this perception that other creatives are so much more successful in every single endeavor that they do as compared to me. I grind and I'm only happy with maybe, you know, 25% of what I produce. And really, I think there's a lot of failure behind the scenes that just doesn't get get seen, but at least you're doing it, at least you're practicing. So I love hearing that, you know, some days just aren't great days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Some some days, I mean, I talked with really successful producers or really successful writers, and we we joke about like, you know, like, oh my gosh, yesterday literally made me feel like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I should just quit. Like, this is horrible. You know what I mean? Like, like. And it's really sometimes it's just bad pairings or it's just a bad day with lack of good ideas. And like, you know, I mean, it has nothing to do with whether or not you're supposed to do it. You know, there are just discouraging days. And those are the days you have to push through and go, OK, like tomorrow I need to make this good because today sucked. And I think if if this was every day, I might quit, you know. <laughs> Totally. There are some good days sprinkled in there. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Can we talk a little bit about the songwriting process? Sounds like you've been writing really since just about the time you started to become a musician. Um, what comes first for you? Lyrics first, melody first? Like, what does that process tend to look like for you? I'm sure it's different every time, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like collaborating. So for me, it's usually either having a producer, you know, when I'm doing my stuff, or it's me, a producer and an artist when I'm writing for other people's stuff. I think collaboration, like, really helps with, you know, creative fatigue, like, so you don't get fatigued from being creative, because, you know, you're kind of on each other. And some days one person shows up big with a really cool title and a melody, or some days somebody shows up with a really rad, you know, progression. I think, I think, like, for me, like, not being afraid to pursue ideas, different ideas in a right, like over and over and over again, until you find something that's compelling. Like, why, why go with just the first idea? Like, continue to, to search for the compelling idea. And once it feels compelling and everybody in the room's going, oh, that's really cool, then you pursue it, you know, and, and don't get your feelings hurt if you're one of the people who threw out an idea and the other people are like, you know, I'm not feeling that because that's a really good gauge for uh, if other people in general are going to feel it. Some things, you know, you can write for yourself, but, you know, I think if you're trying to write for the masses, for a larger picture thing, it's just good to be like, okay, they're not feeling that. Maybe that's just the me thing. People don't feel like that, you know. So I'll, I'll kind of like, you know, I don't know. I, I usually start with, for me, I'm, I'm like in this season, I'm a lot like um, lyrics. So like, I start with title. I'm searching for titles all the time, um, and I know some people hate that, but that's my thing. <laughs> yeah, that's rad. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, so when you are, you know, collaborating with others, what do you feel is like the core strength that you tend to bring to the group pretty consistently? Um, and, yep. and like, what do you maybe feel are your weaknesses that you try to strategically collaborate with others who have those as strengths? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think for me, like production has become so much a part of the writing process these days that, you know, being able to create a track and a vibe and a production level that inspires some melody and some lyric and and content is something that I'm weak at um I'm you know I really had a choice at one point to focus okay I'm going to either be a producer and go down the engineering production route or I'm going to be a songwriter and you know top line and and focus on melody and lyric and so for me you know melody and lyric felt like the stronger play for me because I had I was around so many guys who had like 10 years ahead of me on production and all that. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get good at being the song guy. And so, um, yeah, so for me, that's, that's kind of my strength in the room is melody and lyric. But I, for the longest time, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just wasn't very self-aware, but for the longest time I was like, no, I'm great with chords or I'm great with, you know, like musical ideas. And I have some cool ideas, but in that way, but it's not my, it's not my, my super strength. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's somewhere down, further down the line. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so. you know where your strengths lie. That, that's yeah, half the battle right there. Definitely. No, that's, that's pretty rad. I'm curious. So we've had a lot of folks from like the, uh, the film industry on the show. And some of them have alluded to sort of a, a testing process where they'll, they'll write some story and they'll mock something up and then they'll bring in a test audience to see what they respond to. Is there something that's similar in the music world that, you know, when you've got something that you think is really going to work, is there, you know, like a, a small core group of people that you share it out with for feedback or to see what, how they respond? How do, how do you know you've got something good on your hands? Is it just experience? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, for me now, I, f- I really feel like I rely on my gut because if I put too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, like I used to ask people who I didn't respect their opinion. I used to ask them for their opinion and I would get so frustrated if they would give their opinion that wasn't like mine. And then I would, I would start to like, I would start to like knock them down in my head of going, well, they're, they don't know what they're talking about. And they don't like now being older and wiser, I'm like, well, what's the point of asking somebody you don't respect for their opinion if you're not going to take their opinion? You know, it's like, so I learned very quickly that like, okay, if you don't respect their opinion and it's not going to be constructive for you in your head and in your heart, don't do it. So, you know, I've had very, very few people I really play stuff for that I, you know, like I'll, I'll play stuff for my friend Maggie, who is the, who does the Ruel stuff. And I'll play some stuff for my buddy, you know, Dustin, who does the Zade Wolf stuff and a few other people, you know, like my family folks. But you know, the, everybody has the things that they like, and that's what makes them an artist, you know. And for me, I realized when I leaned into, like, I really love this, my fan base connects with it then, and then it becomes more of a signature me thing. And so, you know, that sounds so, like, um, very introspective, but for me, like, that's kind of, of like keeping it away from too many cooks because – the more opinions, the more it starts to look like a really kind of disfigured version of, of your vision, you know? Um, so you alluded to a, a little while ago about the business side of you, and I'm sure um, sort of the line of work that you've chosen, there's a lot of risk involved. It's, it's very much like, in a sense, freelancing or being your own boss, which a lot of people tend to glorify in their minds if they've never actually lived that life, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's hardcore. And I'm curious, um, have, is there something that you've learned along the way that has eased the stress a little bit? I, I know that there's no, um, substitute for hard work. Um, but what is something that you really focus on that kind of helps keep that steady paycheck coming in and keeps the work flowing? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think for me, you know, um, it was a long journey. I mean, I, I really had I, my my wife was, you know, I have to give her credit of like for a while she had a teaching job and she was our, you know, our health insurance and she was our main stable income. And, you know, her allowing me to kind of go through those years of making nothing and not knowing what I was doing and being in some band where I was making six hundred dollars a month. You know, it's like it's, you know, those years, you know, 10, 10, 12 years of that is what led to where I'm at now where things have totally flipped where, you know, where she's, she's able to do what she wants and, and I'm doing what I want as well, but it's now actually providing for us. And like, that's kind of been, that's been kind of really, really a cool season to walk into, but it takes, it takes a lot of seed planting. I mean, I can see where each step kind of led to the next place and how certain doors were opened at certain times when I was ready for them. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, I think, you know, there were many moments where my wife was looking at me going, I, I, you know, after she quit her job, she was like, I should just go back. I should just go back. And I'm like, no, give me it. Like, just give me a chance to make this Had kind of just this intense moment of like, just give me a chance. I can do this. Let that's me do a this. Hard, that's, a, that's a hard leap of faith. <laughs> oh, man. It was, you know, we had, we had our, our um, first little girl and she was like maybe one year old at the time. And we were just, you know, we were just stressed out, you know, parents. And I'm, you know, and I think having a kid in the mix really motivated me to like, to monetize, you know, we're all 
as artists, we're just like, oh, I want to make this cool art and this cool thing and that cool thing. And there was a moment where my wife just kind of looked at me and goes like, hey, you can't just start another band. You need to like actually make money this time. <laughs> and that was pretty funny. But, you know, very true. That's awesome. You got to figure out a way. Yeah, it, that's a hardcore life. And my hat is off to anybody who walks that road. Have you found that being a parent has changed maybe your approach or even inspired you more as you, you know, look to constantly add depth and meaning to your lyrics? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that like being a parent, like has made me a more compassionate person. And I think, you know, I see more of the struggle of the everyday life, you know, of like, wow, like, you know, it, it just adds kind of a different level of like, I don't know, just compassion and love and those things that I, that I try to, that I try to think on more now, you know, cause for, for a while when you're young, you're just thinking about how do I become famous and how do I get rich? And, you know, I think when you have kids, it starts putting in perspective of like, well, no, how do I have a life that's full? How do I have a life that, that has love in it? How do I have a life that has people who care about me? And I think, you know, it took a lot of the pressure off of me to try to be something great because in their lives I am something great, you know? And so yeah. in that moment, it kind of freed me up to be like, you know what, whether I'm, I do something great or not is up to God. And the rest, honestly, I, you know, I just need to, um, the rest, I just need to kind of let go of and, um, you know what I mean? Like I, and just kind of let happen. And so I think the, the moment I kind of loosen my grip on this whole idea of like, I want to make things happen. I want to, you know, be this or that or the other is when things actually started happening. So, yeah, you're in an industry that relies so heavily on, you know, your sense of hearing <laughs> and your yeah. ears. So yeah. one of the five senses is almost overtaxed. Do you ever crave silence? And, and what do you do when it just feels like too much? Like audio fatigue? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every every day when I'm driving home from from you know writing or something, I just like I some some days I just especially if it's a really intense day I can't listen to the radio I can't have any music on I'll just like I'll just go home like go home in silence or I have this app called Abide and it's like this little meditation app and um, and it reads like some verses and um from the Bible and and it just kind of calms me down and kind of kind of relaxes me and sometimes I need that before I get home because I know when I get home, everybody's, you know, relying on me to be on, you know, to be there, to be present. And so I need to get my head right before I get home. And I think that's like, that's been a big lesson in the last few years is just mental health, making sure that I'm, that I'm taking care of my mental health. Like it's been all about, you got to run, you got to eat right. And those things are absolutely like, those are helpful on top of that is making sure that you're not just, you know, overworking yourself mentally to where you start getting things like anxiety and panic attacks. And I mean, that's that's real for a lot of people. Almost almost 50 percent of our country suffers with some sort of anxiety or depression. And, you know, I think that comes from, you know, the, the good of the motivated American culture, but also the bad of like, I've got to do this thing and it's all got to be on me. And, I've you know, it's like, kind of on your way home after you've done your work, letting go and letting, letting whatever's going to happen, happen. Cause you did your work that you did what you're supposed to do that day, you know, and not ruminating on, on those thoughts. And so that's been kind of a, a big thing for me is like having some quiet time on the way home and not listening to music and really just like 
being like, okay, like you said, just like some audio reprieve, some like no, no sounds, nothing, no music. Yes. If you are, if your headspace is not in a great place, do you find that that bleeds over into your work? Because obviously you have a oh, yeah. creative, yeah, that would, yeah, that makes sense. I always think like you can, you know, with, with your mind, we create these, you know, castles, these like just beautiful pieces of art with our minds from nothing in that realm. But just like you can create these beautiful things and these castles and these places, you can also create some really dark spaces. In your head. And I think, I think there's the, the yin and yang of that. Like there's that real, there's the light side where like you're, you're creating things that are encouraging, giving life to the world. And then there's that other side of you that, that, you know, your brain is strong with too, that can just create these just nightmare type places and i think you know it's really it's really kind of like a, um it's kind of like a practice and a and a discipline to keep your head from going to that place you know because especially being a creative your imagination runs wild in a good way you know you you learn to like in a session let your imagination run wild let any thoughts that come to you out through your words and through your lyrics but then sometimes some of those some of those voices just need to be silenced and because you know it's like they come out in your everyday life and you're like well what about this what about that and i think you know um i think uh yeah i mean i i think it's very interesting how we can have those those really really bright spots in our mind, but then those dark spots just the same. So the mind is so powerful, you know. It's just a a very interesting thing. Yeah, it is fascinating. What is your go to solution for when you personally feel stuck? Like you've hit a wall, you can't yeah. make it work. What do you tend to do? I think for me, I um, I think in those moments, I usually know that I need I need rest. I need an oasis. I need a space to start cultivating creativity like so like sitting and watching a movie or sitting and watching a tv show or going out and taking a walk out you know in nature or like just kind of like getting away from what i'm doing because sometimes you can just you know just work and work and work and work and work until you literally have just crumbs in your hand and then you're going well where is the thing that i started out with and it's like overworked it you know uh, and so i think I, I think when i start getting stuck and i start thinking, oh, I'm never going to write a great song again. Oh, I'm never going to, you know, you know, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. You know, you know, it's like, it's, I'm not, you know, all oh, that thing that everybody loved, like, how could I make one of those again? And, you know, there's that, all that self pressure that you put on yourself. And I think getting away and going, you know what, I'm confident in my calling. I'm confident in what I'm supposed to do. I know that this gifting that I've been given is going through me, not from me. You know, and and I think like kind of resetting and, and reminding yourself of those truths and then coming back into your into your, you know, the next day hitting it hard. You know, I think, you know, just not giving up is definitely gosh, there's so many times if I would have given up. I mean, you know, especially after my last band when, you know, we did OK, but we didn't make that much money. And, you know, here I was like thinking, well, I, got, I probably should just get a nine to five job and. I think about all the time, what if I would have just done that? I mean, what, how miserable would I have been? Because the nine to five is such a horrible thing. But for me, knowing my calling and my desire yeah. to do it, it didn't match, you know? Absolutely. No, I feel you there. And that's, that's the voice of experience speaking, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, no, definitely. Gosh. So, yeah, so you live kind of in the epicenter of musical hopefuls. You know, everyone knows if you want to make it, you know, as a screenwriter, you've got to move to L.A., if you want to make yeah. it, you know, as a musician, you should move to Nashville. 
Um, what is something that you see a lot of rookies doing, maybe rookie mistakes that they're making, um, that you wish that you could help them understand that they should approach it in a different way, whether it's networking, maybe the way that they're trying to network or, you know, how they're going about trying to quote unquote, make it, what is something that you kind of see as a, maybe a trend, um, that you always try to help them understand to, to take a different approach? Gosh, you know, to, to helping them make it, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or even just like give it a good, a better shot or a good shot. I, I mean, that's probably an ambiguous question, but just maybe. No, a, no, I, mean, I think, I think, um, you know, I think there's just so much, you know, I think, I think first off, you know, like I said, having hard work ethic is definitely important and, and having a vision, you know, I mean, if you don't have a vision for yourself and for your career, how in the world is somebody else supposed to catch that vision, you know, so you have to sit, sit in quiet or sit in whatever, whatever inspires you to cast a vision. Say, I mean, I, I really want to play theater stages, you know, and I, you know, big theaters like the national does like local natives. And I want to, you know, I want to whatever, whatever those things are, and just kind of brainstorm and dream and write it all down. And then once you cast your vision for what you want to do, I feel like that allows people to get beside your vision and go, you know, what? I believe you could do that. Let's do that together. You know, but if you don't have a vision, I mean, I write with so many artists and one of the most frustrating things is getting in a room, writing a great song and then going like, well, you know, what are you planning on doing? They're like, I, you know, I don't know. I think I'm just going to release some music sometime, you know? And it's like, great. Well, when, like with who, how, I mean, do, like, what do you want your show to look like? What do you, you know, it's like, what's, what's your branding? Not that everybody's a brand, but you know, what do you want it to look like? What do you want people to feel when they hear your music live show? I think having all that stuff is important and just allows the photographer to get beside you, allows the publisher or the PR person or the, you know, I think that that leads me to my next thing. I think assembling a team is really important. Finding some things, you know, you have to let find you like a manager. But there's other things that you can pursue, like look for uh, just photography that really inspires you. And because just as important as the music is, the visual art is just as important. You know, it has to express what your music is saying, because if your visual art saying I'm a country girl with some, you know, some jean shorts on and a, and a flannel shirt. And then your music is like hard rock. You're like, what <laughs> you know, like, like I've seen that so many times. They're like uh, a, you know, some dude with like goth, goth hair and like crazy piercings or whatever. And then his music is like, is like, you know, something like, like Bon Iver. And you're like, bro, what, what is happening? <laughs> this is nothing. So this confusing. Is nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, finding a, Finding a team like that, you know, PR and distribution and um, all those things to kind of get beside you is really important. And, you know, I think the last thing I'll, I'll throw in this mix is just finding somebody in your peer group who you believe in as well that that could come alongside you and fill the gaps of what you're um, what's missing from your talents and coming up with them. Because I can reach out all day to, to Ryan Tedder or to you know, whoever until my face turns blue, but they're not, you know, we're not connected. They don't know me. They're not really my peer. He's, he's on another, he's on another stratosphere. And, you know, is it, is it my hope and my dream that one day I can be at that level? Sure. But right now in this moment, 
the thing that's the, the best for me to be doing is to reach out to people on my level in my peer groups and creating music that then maybe gets heard by somebody up there and then you get pulled up. You don't want to be reaching up to those people, you know, or even to, you know, you just want to find somebody at your level and start with them and rise with them because reaching up to these like, oh, I want to get with Max Martin. I want to get with whoever, you know, and it's just like, Listen, like, even if you had their contact, how annoying would that be? Somebody reaching out to you who's never done anything, just saying, hey, I want my first songwriting session to be with the biggest status. No, that doesn't, that doesn't work like that. So I think, you know, getting beside the people that you're around that are your age, your peer group, or even just, you know, somebody that you think is really talented that nobody else has discovered yet, you know, in your town and going, hey, I, I think there's something special in you. Let's get together and make music. That's how it's always been for me. You know, even with... Matt Bromley, you know, like we, we do a lot of stuff together and a lot of it kind of came from like him hearing something in me and me hearing something in him and going, let's do something bigger than we've done together, you know? And, um, and at that time, you know, I mean, he was, he, he sold tons of records with tons of different artists. I had to bring something to the table. I had to convince him to like write with me, you know what I mean? You know, but, but for me, you know, I, it was close enough. We had done a record before and we were buds and, you know, but I think, starting there is is really important and not you know, calling up some artist that you're never going to have a chance to write with or some producer you're never gonna have a chance to write with like find the next max martin find the next ryan tedder find the next you know whoever you know bonnie mckee like find find the next one you know don't be don't be trying to break down their doors it's just kind of a wasted time that's really practical insightful advice thank you for kind of taking the time to to share those pieces because that's so true yeah <laughs> I, it's look. amazing it is amazing how how many folks and i know that it comes from a good place just think that they can shoot instantly to where they want to be without walking the treacherous journey and sometimes it's it's exciting too it's not always treacherous yeah. But the yeah. journey is where you hone your craft and learn your craft and build a community. And you cannot get there without those things. And that's just incredible advice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you know, I think, too, it's like I've, I've known people who have gotten there with, you know, from from the moment they step on the scene, they blast it off. It's a very rare thing. But what happens with those type of people is that they don't know how they got there. So when the ride ends, when the ride's over, they don't know how to get back to the peaks that they were at. They have no clue, but somebody like in my situation or in Matt's situation, we know every little ratchet, every little, you know, step up that we've taken and how we got there. So not only can we do it with ourselves again and continue the success or whatever the, you know, whatever needs to happen, but we can do it for other people. And I think that's something that, you know, don't look at that instantaneous success and think that it happened instantly because it probably didn't, but also don't look at it as something that you, you envy because, there's so much you learn on the process, the journey that allows you to keep going for longer. You know, some of these like one hit wonders, you, they call them one hit wonders because they literally don't know how it happened. They just song they thought it was cool and it got huge on the radio or whatever, you know, and I think that everybody envies that story because it's romantic and it's so cool. And it's movie vibes. But, you know, in real life, I don't I don't think that it's actually as valuable as we think. It's kind of complicated and it might make you feel like your best is behind you and that sucks you know and i think you know enjoy the ride and and let it take you where it's supposed to take you that's such solid advice thank you and before i want to respect your time and we're, so we're gonna yeah. get this wrapped up here but 
Um, I'm going to be linking out to all your social media in the show notes, but is there any place in particular you like people to interact with you, follow, keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I use um, Instagram and Facebook probably the most. So just, you know, at Sam Tenez, S-A-M-T-I-N-N-E-S-Z um, is really how you can find me in any of those places on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the gram a bunch. So whatever, you know, whatever, whatever works for you, though. <laughs> Sounds good. And is there anything coming out soon that you want to tease or plug or anything that's already out that you want to? plug yeah, yeah you know i've got an acoustic ep that i'm going to be putting out it's kind of um it's called babble the ruins and so it's kind of a stripped back versions of a few songs off of that lp i put out recently and uh i've got some surprises on that um ruel is going to be doing a feature on that and so um and a few other things that are going to be really cool so i'm excited to kind of put that out it's really just honestly just more just straight straight up art that i just i wanted to do something that just felt artistic and wild and I kind of can't wait to see people's reactions for it. So we'll see. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for swinging by the show and sharing your story, Sam. Yeah, no problem. 